Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of Hope Along the Journey. I am Mark Cravens, your podcast host. And as always, it's a true joy to have you here, my friend, with us today as um, my good friend, Monty Stetler, and I will be sharing together in today's podcast. Before we begin, though, I would just like to take a moment to encourage all of you, my friends, to uh, go by and look at our website at www.hopealongthejourney.org. Again, that's www.hopealongthejourney.org. When you get to the website, there will be a pop-up screen that will say, Stay in Touch, that will give you an opportunity to enter your email so we can put you in our newsletter. would love to have you receiving the Hope Along the Journey newsletter that will be coming out from month to month. Also, just please take a moment and... Uh, if, if the venue you listen to allows you to leave a review or a five-star rating, would you, would you just personally do us a favor and give us a five-star rating or leave a nice review? We'd love for you to do that. that. That helps us with the podcast. Also, we'd like to just hear from you. So drop us an email at hopealongthejourney at gmail.com or connect with us through our social media, Facebook, Instagram, we're on all of those. LinkedIn, you can look up Mark Cravens on LinkedIn and connect. We just would love to stay connected with you. We want to also thank you. I personally want to say thank you for your ongoing prayerful support for this ministry. Hope Along the Journey is a listener-supported ministry, and it's through your offerings and through your support that we're able to get the message of hope out to thousands of people around the world. It's great today for me to have my good friend, Monty Stetler. Monty, welcome to this episode of Hope Along the Journey. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be with you today and with your listeners. It's a, It's been a great day here at New Life Community Church. We had our baptismal service today, and then we had somebody from the church that wanted to be baptized this evening, and so we gathered back together and did that, and now here we are recording the podcast together. So It has been a beautiful Lord's Day, and I'm certainly grateful for His, uh, His many blessings to us at New Life. That's great. And uh, for those of you that don't know, Monty is on the pastoral staff here at New Life Community Church and has been with us now, what, man, about seven months? Yes. Right. Wow, time yeah, has I know. moved by quickly. Yeah, for sure. And he serves as an assistant pastor in the administrative pastor role of the church, and it's just a tremendous blessing to, uh, to me personally and to the church. He is also a CFO of the Beachwood Home, which is a senior living facility here in Cincinnati. He's been married to his wife, Connie, for 33 years. Absolutely. Yeah, she can told you, me it doesn't you? feel like a day over 50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. 33 years. Doc, how did you pull that off? 
You know, I'm not just blessed. I'm very fortunate, right? For someone to live with me that long. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. I know. Amazing. I don't know how our wives put up with us. (laughs) Uh, He has uh, three children, and they are all serving the Lord and just great, great family. And Monty and I have been friends for, wow, a long time time on most all of our life now yeah for the largest part of our life yeah, yeah. yeah. that's and I, I don't i'll never forget whenever you were when you moved from alabama yes to indiana when yeah. your dad started the church there in westville yeah that was a big move and leaving the south was uh certainly culturally different uh you know growing up in the the South, far as Southern living, but Indiana was good. I yeah. enjoyed that too. So. Yeah, lots of great memories yeah. of our days at yeah. Union Bible College. Yeah. Well, what we've gotten together to talk to you about today and to share is about a book that was written by David Brooks entitled The Second Mountain, The Quest for a Moral Life. I remember, Monty, you and I were sitting in, the, in a very high-class establishment Mm-hmm. Eating together. Yes. The Waffle House. We love eating together, don't we? <laughs> Some of the, the best. The Waffle House, yes. <laughs> Some of the best times we've had have been Absolutely. in restaurants, haven't they? Right. And we always go out to high class places like Frisch's right. or, um, you know, the Waffle House, all those kinds. But I remember we were sitting there in a booth. I could, I could still see us sitting there. And you told me, you said, Mark, I've read a book that you've got to read entitled The Second Mountain. You remember that, don't you? I do. I do. In fact, that that book, I think I even mentioned to you that in that setting that the introduction alone in this book is is enough to, to buy the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll certainly get into that. But uh, the journey uh, of uh, Mr. Brooks, David Brooks, that wrote the book is, is just fascinating uh, how he... Uh, really weaves his life in this book, and uh, I, I think one thing that's interesting, uh, one of the uh, uh, compliments of his book is it, it explained the Guardian said a powerful, haunting book that works its way beneath your skin, <laughs> <laughs> and I think some way that's the that's yeah. the way to describe something that just really yeah. grabs you. Yeah. So, well, I remember I left that meeting, and I went immediately Mm. to Amazon, and I got my book, and you were dead on. The book, I have never read a book that the introduction was worth the whole purchase of the book. Uh Uh, Like we talked about earlier, most of us, a lot of times, we just kind of cruise through the, and we just kind of skim through and cruise through the introduction so we can get to the real meat, but not this book. This book, it from the very opening paragraph, it just grabs you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this book, The Second Mountain. And he portrays the life of those of us who've lived life long enough mm-hmm. as starting out on the first mountain, and then hopefully we will climb the second mountain. But let's take a moment, first of all, when he talks about the first mountain. What in the world is it? What is this metaphor? What is he talking about when he talks about the first mountain that is in our lives? Well, it, it seems um, that the writer really explores the four commitments that define a life of meaning and purpose. And those four areas, whether you're on the first mountain, we'll certainly talk about that, or 
or maybe uh, emerging or right. in in process to the second one. The four things that he talks about, uh, the meaning and purpose of life is the purpose you have to a spouse and a family, right? to right. a vocation, to a philosophy or your faith, mm-hmm. and to a community. So he he's looking as he writes this book, uh, he's really looking into those four areas, mm-hmm. and then uh, he certainly breaks down what the first mountain looked like, right, and right. then uh, as he goes into the, the second mountain. Yeah, he describes that first mountain a lot as kind of like, you know, um, climbing the, the mountain is like us establishing our careers, mm-hmm. establishing our identities. Uh, there, a lot of it is filled with, uh, there's a lot of ego involved in that. And, and consciously or unconsciously, there can be a lot of self motivating that first mountain. Is that kind of what you picked yeah, up as yeah. you read through some of yeah, this? I did. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, First Mountain people, he says, are divided, uh, alienated, and insufficient in what they do. And, and it, one of the mm-hmm. sort of humorous ways that he, he describes them is they suffer from a rot in their uh, moral and cultural foundations um, that it seems... And I guess when we look at our Christian faith, we certainly wouldn't describe it maybe that mm-hmm. graphically, right, right. but the second mountain people uh, certainly give themselves away differently mm-hmm. than first mountain right. people. Right. Yeah. He he's he talks about you know first mountain people. It's about building up the ego and defining mm-hmm. yourself. Right. And then as we'll talk about a little later, you know the second mountain is about you know. Uh, shedding the ego and losing the self. But, but, and I think it's a subtle thing, Monty, because I, and again, maybe some people won't agree with what I'm about to say here, but even being in ministry mm-hmm. as a young pastor starting out, there was a lot of establishing, uh, of defining yourself. Uh, it's about even trying to build up mm-hmm. your identity. It's trying to become recognized, known, you want to hit certain, uh, you know, achievement points in your right. life, and if you hit those achievement points, then your your identity is established. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people like are uncomfortable with that, but that even happens in ministry, mm-hmm. as well as even in the workplace at large out there. Right, and I, I think um, Mr. Brooks really talks about the the frustration. Not not in those early years. He he didn't really know that he was in it mm-hmm. until it, it, he really got some time under his belt. And this right. could be whether right. you're a pastor or a businessman mm-hmm. or whatever field you're in, where he started to realize that that what was fueling him was not not what it should be. Yeah, uh, yeah. and right because a lot of the motivation is not what it ought to be, or at least what it should be as we mature and move through life. Mm-hmm. And, and then not only that, but the lack of satisfaction yeah. that we yeah. find when we've climbed that mountain and suddenly we realize, you know, like the guy who got on Mount Everest and said, the only thing I discovered was the air was mighty thin up there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. and, and so you climb the first mountain only to realize that like cotton candy, it might have been sweet for a moment. But it really doesn't bring any lasting satisfaction or joy. 
Yeah. And you know, I, I don't think I ever had uh, a book or, or, or a setting in a book really illustrate mm-hmm. the difference between happiness and joy. And in one section of the book, he, he talks about happiness comes from accomplishments. Joy comes from offering gifts. Say that again. That, that's beautiful. I want you to read, read that again. Happiness comes from accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Joy comes from offering gifts. Happiness fades when we get used to the things that used to make us happy. Joy doesn't fade. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, for many years, when I would think of the world, the word joy, it, 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 it seems shallow to me. Mm-hmm. But now, and then he goes on to say, to live with joy is to live with wonder, gratitude, and hope. People who are on the second mountain have been transformed. They are deeply committed. Mm-hmm. The outpouring of love has become a steady force. That's great. Yeah. 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 So I, I think happiness certainly is something to be enjoyed, uh, but joy uh, certainly has another level of commitment. Well, again, and happiness is based on achievement. So if you don't hit those yes, marks, absolutely, you can't be happy. So just for instance, uh, I can remember pastoring where, you know, let's say the goal was to have 100 in church. Mm-hmm. Man, if we hit 97, I wasn't happy. Yeah. I couldn't be happy. Because we didn't achieve, I didn't achieve what I thought we should achieve. And so, therefore, my wife would say, honey, why can't you be happy? Well, I, it was because I had, didn't achieve what we needed to achieve. And, and, I, and there's such a vast difference. I mean, what's so different today at, at this, where I am now, is I don't even know. I, I, my, people ask me, well, how many you have in, on Sunday? And I say, I don't know. They say, what? You don't know? I said, no, I, have, I don't check. Maybe later in the week I'll check, but I really... And it's like, why? Don't you care? Well, yeah, I care. Right. But you see, that's not... I'm not looking at those achievements to make me happy. There's greater joy in just serving the congregation. Well, yeah. And you, you know, Mark, now... Uh, I, I don't know. Certainly we're not sounding like a couple of old men sitting here talking, <laughs> right? But but when no. you think about measurement of, of spiritual... Not just maturity, but depth. A deepening life is is certainly more important. Mm-hmm. Whether you're ministering to a hundred or or six thousand, mm-hmm. deepening people's lives in Christ is is really mu- a much better way yes. to measure than you know a very tangible number. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that I don't know. I guess it can be described easier. But really measuring deepening lives in Christ, and that, and that really is what a, a lot of this book talks about from the standpoint of how you see the world. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and and again, so much of Mountain One is very much individual. It's very individualistic. Yes, that it, yes, that's a good way to yeah, say it. It is. It's about me, my mm-hmm. personal, and I'm very. Whereas as and again, so we talk a little bit about the second mountain. So that second mountain is different in that it's not really all about the personal and the individual. It begins to be more about the community. It begins more about the relationships, and that's what becomes more important. I'll never forget our good friend Mike Avery said to me one time many years ago, maybe 15, 20 years ago, but he said to me, he said, the older I get, the more valuable relationships become. Yeah. yeah. 
And I thought about that then, but here today at this point in my life, I see that that it's so much more important that relationships, not not what I'm doing personally, but the value of the relationships that I have with others, that's what really brings me joy and meaning and purpose. You know, one one thing, and I guess all of this comes, all these, the timing of this comes to all of us differently. About one thing that that Brooks's book, to me, uh, as far as a map for his journey or for our journey, it's really, uh, I thought this was a bit humorous, a self-help guide to escaping the prison of self. Yeah. Now, yeah. in our theology, um, in our belief, we certainly... Some of those things are addressed quite probably efficiently and well in our theology, but from a from a human standpoint, mm-hmm. you know that that thing of of escaping the prison of self and seeing yeah. the world outside of you know f- being freed from that that mm-hmm. that really is the biggest escape I think that that he really said well in this book. Yeah, that's great. It reminds me a lot of what E. Stanley Jones said numbers of years ago, a Methodist missionary, Christian writer of another era. But he said to me, he said, when I get to heaven, and I'm summarizing what he said, Mm -hmm. but he said, when I get to heaven, I will thank Jesus for saving me from myself, for that was the greatest salvation of all. And I didn't understand that statement as much as I understand it today. Because truly, the smallest package in the world is somebody wrapped up all in themselves. Yeah. And yet, that can so easily happen again, consciously or unconsciously, as we're trying to carve out our identity, climbing that first mountain of achievement and success. Uh, and then we realize that, you know what? What's going to last in the long run is not what I've done for myself, but what am I investing in other people? Yeah, and one one thing that I liked about the book, and we probably maybe won't have as much time to, but he he really illustrates a number of people, a number of stories of people, and yes. of course, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the podcast. Uh, you know, I remember uh, you and I talking about when you were first talking about, you know, starting the podcast, mm-hmm. and one of those things that you had identified early on was stories that that just truly bring hope to mm-hmm. to people right, right and in this book I, I there there were a number of of stories that he cited mm-hmm. of of how people emerged from one mountain to the other oh yeah and I, I I know in fact I looked the other day a side note here 110 podcast yes this I think maybe <laughs> your 111th I know that's hard to believe isn't it it is hard to believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's hard. Lots of stories, lots of lots testimonies, of, and more yet to come. All the time, I'm, I'm, and it's always amazing to me how people, which, which kind of goes into this matter. Something I want to talk about for a couple minutes here is a moving off of mountain one to mountain two. Between the two mountains is a valley. Yes, and even for many, a wilderness. So in other words, somewhere we come off the mountain, whether it's by the growing awareness that, hey, there's got to be something more to life than this, or oftentimes, as in the case of the author, there are there may be whirlwind things that happen in our life. Suddenly the storm comes, the wheels come off of our life. We find ourselves knocked off the mountain. We're down in the valley. We're in the wilderness. But that wilderness experience can 
be the point where we ask the great questions of life, reevaluate our lives, and then hopefully emerge out of it yes. to a better yes. place. And, you know, Brooks, Brooks, he calls his the dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. In 2013, his marriage of 27 years dissolved. He moved into an apartment. He missed mm-hmm. his children, was lonely, ashamed, uh, and, and, and really feeling like he had failed mm-hmm. as, as a person completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does this with a feel for those um, who, rather than succumbing to their own personal traumas, turn towards helping others and in doing, so, in, in doing renewing the sense of community. So I think in reality what he did, his mm-hmm. darkest night, he went from that yes. and turned that. So now we're... We are sitting here talking today mm-hmm. about you know the impact then that he's had on on the community that that, right. that he has access to. Yeah, and from his chapter on the wilderness, I'm going to read just two quick paragraphs mm-hmm. here, which I marked and and highlighted. He said the right thing to do when you're in moments of suffering is to stand erect in the suffering, wait, see what it has to teach you. Understand that your suffering is a task that, if handled correctly with the help of others, will lead to enlargement and not diminishment. The valley is where we shed the old self so the new self can emerge. And this is powerful. There are no shortcuts. There's just the same eternal three-step process that the poets have described from time eternal. From sufferings to wisdom to service. Dying to the old self, cleansing in the emptiness, resurrecting in the new, from the agony of the valley to the purgation of the desert to the insight of the mountaintop. That's powerful, powerful. but there's no shortcut when you go through the valley in the wilderness. Right. And, you know, I I think the the temptations for shortcuts a lot of times... Mm -hmm happens in between in between the mountains. In other words, it, it seems to really be an exit rep that we shouldn't take. Mm-hmm. You know, right, but it's right. it's it's very it's 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 protecting self, you know, at the heart mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's powerful. And there's a purging that takes place. And and I think too when we go through, at least for me, when I went through my uh, time when the wheels came off and went through my wilderness time in my life, it, you really begin to purge a lot of stuff from right. your life, right? And and begin hopefully to emerge onto the next mountain mm-hmm. with a greater sense of purpose and clarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the things too that I I find in this book is uh, is that he just seems to be able to to be very transparent and very vulnerable, as you mentioned early, about his own uh, mistakes, poor decisions, all of that. Do you think that possibly what one of the things that we struggle with is being able to be transparent like he was in this book and to really be able so that we, in order we can shed the experience of the first mountain in the wilderness and be able to move on to the next mountain? Yeah, I I think one one thing you know when you look at being on the summit, the summit of the first mountain, uh, discovering that the view 
is 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 really just a feeling of of, of being empty inside. Mm-hmm. So so I think when we we reach that point of you know complete uh, not just complete despair, mm-hmm. but knowing that we have complete despair, we're 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 we're, we're totally there. Yeah, yeah. I think that you know the truly joyful people are those, um, you know, find their second mountain. The mountain abandoning themselves is a, mm-hmm. really becomes a greater joy. Yes, and that's the thing we find it's it's just the opposite of what we so oftentimes think, and that is. Right. We think, if, like Jesus said, if you save your life, you lose it. You lose your life for my sake, you find it. That seems like such a paradox. And you would think that on the first mountain of, of, of self-promotion and self-preservation and self-proclamation and all of this, that's where we would find the greatest joy. But it's absolutely when we shed that and we climb the second mountain where it becomes about others and leaving a legacy and investing in relationships that's where we discover the greatest joy in our lives. Mark, have you found in your life that com- your commitment uh, on the second mountain is is so much deeper? To oh the yes, thing? yeah, yeah. You talked about those areas commitment early on; those four areas, and you're absolutely right. Where you know regards your family, your faith, those kind of things, and then he also talks about you know the fact that. Second Mountain people, it's it's not just a it's not a job. It's like a calling. Mm-hmm. On the Second Mountain, you're really starting to see your life as this is what God has called me and made me to do. Now, how can I use this for other people? But and that commitment level is is even deeper mm-hmm. than the commitment level on number one. And you're right. Our other all these important commitments in our life become much more to our faith to our family, all of this becomes much deeper. Well, one, one thing that, you know, we were talking about, you know, hitting bottom, he says um, about himself, I was unplanted, lonely, humiliated, and scattered. Wow. <laughs> that that really yeah. captures, you uh-huh. know, being down. I, I was throwing myself neededly upon my friends in ways that are embarrassing um, now that I, if I stop and remember it, and I, I think in, in looking back between those mountains and, and those low points, mm-hmm. I think all of us can say there are those times in our lives mm-hmm. where we have felt unplanted. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that is a free fall. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and again, because we found that we had ourselves rooted in things that don't, that don't last. And then instead of something unshakable, we had given us ourselves to something that could that we was shaken from us. And so, yeah, it really does begin to change, but we can't make that change unless we hit that wilderness or valley time in our lives to really reevaluate. Yes. In this book, he also talks about uh, hyper uh, being a hyper individualism. Mm-hmm. In other words, and he had actually written books. Uh, promoting that to yeah. a certain extent, right? Early I mean, on, really, yeah. yeah. And then he just after the 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 you know the the times of being unplanted and lonely, he realized that was not that is not where you have impact on community. That's right. You know, That's right. and I think um, he talks about urging salvation through purpose beyond yourself. In other words, I don't think he's necessarily talking about, although he's. 
also very much on a spiritual journey in this book. But yes. uh, that verbiage maybe isn't how we think about it, but it certainly has to do with yeah. with walking away from self. Well, there's just so much we could talk about as, as we wrap this up in this book, and I'd like to encourage people to to look into this book. Uh, I, I think especially for men, they would find it very fascinating. I want to come back full circle for a moment here to this matter of joy as we get in, ready to wrap things up. And I want to read the opening paragraph of the introduction as we wrap this up. Every once in a while, he says, I meet a person who radiates joy. <laughs> These are people who seem to glow with an inner light. They are kind, tranquil, delighted by small pleasures, and grateful for the large ones. These people are not perfect. They get exhausted and stressed. They make errors in judgment, but they live for others and not for themselves. They've made unshakable commitments to family, a cause, a community, or a faith. Mm -hmm. They know why they were put on earth and derive a deep satisfaction from doing what they have been called to do. Life isn't easy for these people. They've taken on the burdens of others, but they have a serenity about them, a settled resolve. They are interested in you, make you feel cherished and known, and take delight in your good. And man, that opening paragraph, if that summarizes, Monty, what I wish my life could be. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of life I want my life to be as I'm now on the second mountain in life. Well, it's about healthy, lasting relationships. Yeah. And, I, and I think uh, the sometimes the trip or the travels, uh, you know, we discover reasons why those last. Mm -hmm. And a healthy, lasting relationship is certainly our goal. Yeah, that's right. Well, on that note, Monty, love and appreciate you, buddy. Thanks you for too, being sir. on Thank the you podcast for having me on. here. And again, that's David Brooks' book, The Second Mountain, The Quest for a Moral Life. Thank you so much for listening today to this episode of Hope Along the Journey. We hope it's been a blessing to you. And as I always say and mean from the very depths of my heart, look to Jesus Christ. He is the hope of the world. If you look to him, he'll help you find hope along the journey. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about Hope Along the Journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more Hope Along the Journey.